Beautiful people, welcome to three, two, one. No kidding, Bobby the Awesome here. <sighs> Ready for this this episode? Where trying to get my brave on, but I'm gonna share with you the last couple days that I've had. Um, I think I think it's important for my sanity. And to be true to what I want my message to be and, and what I want 321 No Kidding to represent. So, ah, I guess here goes. So, Saturday, three days ago, I think today's Tuesday, yeah. So, I was getting ready to go out with some friends and I had just recorded the episode prior to this, right before going out. Things were bursting in my mind because of group earlier. And the topic was transparency. So this episode is going to be me being brutally transparent. So Saturday night, I was going to meet some friends. And they just so happened to be the friends that... The last time I had any alcohol, I was with them at a party. So this was a big deal. We were going to a bar and we were going to dance. And it was going to be my first attempt at being in a situation like this and kind of test myself, for lack of a better word. But I really wanted to put some perspective about can I have fun sober with drinking people? I learned on my trip that it was real easy to have fun sober with sober people, but I wanted to make sure that I don't have to, well, I guess even if I had to cut people out of my life, um, I'd be prepared to do that if I decide to stick with this choice of not drinking forever. But anyway, that was going to be my big deal of Saturday night. Well, I get to the place, me and one of the folks get there about an hour before everybody else and because they were late by the way um (laughs) so I'm trying to not be bitter they blamed it on the uber and that's okay but while we were waiting for them I got a message from my cousin that my biological father had died and this came geez not even a week after finding out that his mother had died. I had gotten word that she was sick when I was in Cambodia and I had the opportunity to call her. Thankfully, she couldn't talk back to me, but at least I had an opportunity to talk to her. Well, I didn't, I, I didn't really know what to do with the, with the message about Bob. And I kind of sat there and (laughs) poor Chris, who was with me, He just didn't know what to do with me, but he was trying and he would speak and I just wouldn't hear him. And and I I would say, Chris, please, I totally didn't hear what you said. Can you repeat that? Because my mind was just racing so fast. I I had no idea how to even process. So I end up 
staying. I stayed for dinner and, um, you know, they were having a great time and I didn't tell anybody other than Chris until it was time for me to go. I didn't want to ruin their night. And I will say, I'm very proud of the fact I did not order the Long Island iced tea that was calling to me. I sat there and I drank soda and I came home and um, it, was, it was quite a ride home. Definitely used the coping skill of crying quite a bit since then, but that was the first burst. I tried calling my cousin Stacy, who was already in bed, and I tried reaching out to one of the fellas from group that also has daddy issues, so to speak, and I just wasn't getting anywhere. So I went to bed, and I got up Sunday morning, and the first thing I think I did was made a playlist. I had, I had been trying so hard to think of happy memories, some, some sort of happy memories that I had of Bob. And it was a struggle. And the only thing that I could come back to was the music. He... He would play the guitar and the piano and the harmonica and sing. And I put in songs. I made a playlist and I called it Bob. And I listened to that. And I don't know if it was helping or hurting or what it was, but I just felt like it was the right thing to do. <sighs> and I got part of why I'm sharing this with you is because before I started the show, I can remember going through just life and things and situations and in my head going, I wish I could share this, you know, this process. I wonder if this would help someone, you know, in the context of group, all the times I've heard stories that have made a difference to me about what people have done or shared. So I, I'm sharing these details with you as a way to explain my process and recovery and how to deal with this. And, and I've said before that, and it's funny because I listened, one of my coping strategies was I listened to my first episode of the show on the way to go see my counselor. And this talking to you is a coping mechanism of mine. And my growth and being able to hear where I am today versus where I am in the future. So that's why you're getting this whole complete download, part of why you're getting it. So I'm playing the playlist and on Sundays, I've been out of the habit with the travel and everything, but I knew I had to go to church and I texted my friend that goes with me sometimes and, oh, I had, I had, wrote my boss and and understand that this week is Valentine's week and it's one of the busiest weeks of the year and after being quarantined to home last week because of the fear of me dry, flying through China I had, and then the two weeks prior being on the sober trip essentially I haven't been in the office in over three weeks so I just knew I couldn't go yesterday um, and even that I had mixed feelings about. So I texted, well, I emailed her 
and um, you know, I told her, hey, I, I, I've had these <laughs> two deaths in the family, and I just won't be in tomorrow. Some of what the feelings I was feeling at the time was guilt on some level because of the holiday and also the bereavement, right? Like I think we're entitled to three days, probably three days apiece for, you know, your, your grandparent and your parent. But I felt that I felt somehow wrong because I hadn't talked to Bob in 14 years, 15 years. And it was like, I felt that I wasn't even entitled to bereavement because I hadn't been speaking to him. So there was another whole different emotion surrounding that. So anyway, so I get up and, and text my friend to go to church. And she said, and I had, I had blind copied her on the email Um, just so I wouldn't have to, you know, do it twice or whatever. And she said, well, I'm not up for church, you know, but she was there for me if I needed her. And I went to church and, and I had tried calling Stacy again and I didn't have any luck, but I did talk to my cousin who had let me know that Bob had passed away. And it was, uh, it was really a helpful conversation he kind of explained, filled in some of the blanks of the last 15 years or so. It was actually his father's funeral that was the last time I saw Bob. Bob should have been at another funeral we went at, but he wasn't. Um, my cousin Stacy that I'm referring to, she was, she was, is my first cousin, and and her father was my mother's brother. I need to clarify this so you guys don't think I'm even more wacky or my family's even more wacky than it is. But so he was married to a lady, Teresa. And Teresa was my mother's best friend. And when I was about 19 or 20, it came out that Bob was seeing Teresa. So... Uh, needless to say, my mother and Teresa's friendship dissolved. Uh, so Stacy, essentially, you know, if she wasn't my first cousin, y- you could almost consider her my stepsister if we did all the right marriages and divorces, etc. Anyway, she was one of the ones who probably gave Bob the most chances or was the most open to having any kind of relationship. There's, there's myself and my brother that are my mother's. And then I have another sister and brother from when Bob had cheated on my mother and created his second family. And I've only recently in the last six or seven years got reconnected to them. Luckily, I mean, my sister is just, freaking impressive and and she's the most beautiful woman like I'm so proud of her um and her younger brother and my little brother probably haven't fared as well as us girls you know they're she's the only one that at least to the best of my knowledge hasn't become an addict of some sort um 
and 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 she's had even more of a burden than just Bob. Anyway, um, so it was important for me to talk to Stacy. Couldn't get her. So I'm sitting in the parking lot of church and I'm talking to um, my cousin about, you know, what's transpired. And he filled me in on, on Bob's health and the decline and his jail time and his process and going into um, the psychiatric ward in Connecticut from that to being homeless to to where he was now and and I'm still a little fuzzy on some of the details I mean I was listening to him but again still kind of in a process mode and um you know he told me he was in this apartment and had a visiting nurse and really they think it was about three days before anybody found him which is pretty disturbing it's sad in itself um so kind of talked about that and one of the most startling parts of the conversation as we were talking about you know what will happen I guess Bob was still getting autopsied I still don't know the results to this moment but he used the phrase next of kin when we were talking about what to do next and that really hit me um being the oldest child you know, I mean, we, we, all of us kids are the next to kin and, and so is his side of the family that's alive. But to think about having a role in the decision maybe to what happens next was, was just a little scary, but, but we talked about it anyway. And, um, I think we have a good plan. So that, that was a helpful scary informative conversation but you know kudos to to Bob's side for staying connected with us and caring about us and it was difficult you know the the part that makes me the saddest about Grandma Teresa dying is that I didn't have a good relationship with her because of Bob there was a point in life where he forbid me to see her because he wasn't talking to her. And um, I can remember sneaking to go see her and until I show up one day and he's there. So evidently his feud had ended or whatever. And, and I will, the more I learn about the brain and memories and all that stuff, um, you know, I'm telling you th- the truth, my truth, as best as I remember it. Um, the more I learn, the more I doubt most of my memories. So uh, take what I say with a grain of salt, I guess. But so as a as I entered adulthood, every time I try to see Grandma, she would always get on the topic of of letting Bob back into my life, and I wasn't willing to do that I I went to him I offered him a chance sometime when I was a teenager I I remember being able to drive so I had to be over 17 and I went to his and Teresa's house and I feel like my brother was there I can't even 100% guarantee that but I remember the purpose of that visit 
And that visit was to tell him, and, and I remember saying, well, first of all, he opens the door and the first thing he says is, he's so nervous he had to go get some pills from the neighbor. And he's downing his traditional blackberry brandy for the visit. Anyway, um, he says, I say to him, I said, you know, you blew it with my brother and I. You blew it with my other siblings. But now you're living in this house with Stacy. If you want back in my life, you have to do right by her. And he never changed. And this is this is part of the story. This this is part of why I'm constantly talking about how the alcohol plays a role in my life and why I'm still trying to sort that out. So he never did anything to uh, to really impress me or, or, in my opinion, take care of Stacey, although I think she feels a little different. You know, um, her father committed suicide when she was four years old. Um, and then her mother died. This is another thing that freaking pisses me off. Like, her mother died. My mother's ex-best friend, the lady who who had an affair with my biological father and he wasn't even at her funeral, but you know who was my mother? Like that was just another thing that in my mind I couldn't get past. I, uh, anyway, um, so that was, that was my decision point. And my grandma Teresa just couldn't, you know, she wanted what was best for her son. So it became kind of a point of contention that I just wasn't up to dealing with. And it hurt our relationship. And I didn't get to spend as much time with her. And it wasn't until I was married to Davey that um, we we got, you know, like back in touch. And, you know, she was in the hometown as my mother the whole time. But I remember going over for Christmas and, and getting, you know, connected again on some level. But still, to be completely honest, I thought I knew she was currently in California. Um, I, I wasn't as connected as I wish I could be or should have been. So that's part of what's really hard about the loss of her as well. <sighs> Okay, so where was I? Back to Sunday. Thank you for uh, <laughs> putting up with the emotion here. So I get off the phone with with the cousin, and I go in, and of course, you know, like I said, it's almost Valentine's Day. Um, I was a little pissed off, to be honest, because the pastor and his wife weren't at church. It was a video sermon, you know, but I'm a believer. The universe puts me where I'm supposed to be. And evidently I was supposed to drive the, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour up to church to watch a video that I could have watched two weeks from now. Uh, yeah, again, I probably sound a little bitter, but that's OK. I'm entitled right now. So the theme was relationships. Go figure. <laughs> so all my neighbors in church <laughs> did nothing but listen to me cry probably for the whole entire thing. I just couldn't stop. I did miss the beginning though because Stacy had called me back thankfully and I went out and I sat with her and 
talked with her a little and told her what I knew. And um, I was really scared about talking to her. I was so scared. And, and she said to me, I can't remember what she said. It, I just said to her, I don't want to tell you what I have to tell you. And she said, it's okay. My mother had already texted her, so she knew. So that was a little bit of relief. So I leave church, and I, I think I came home. I, I did come home. And I slept and cried and slept and cried all of Sunday. And somewhere in this timeline, my mother's trying so hard um, you know, she's, she's letting me know that she's there for me. And, and she's probably as confused about how to put up with me as I'm confused about how to put up with me. Um, I did also call my brother on the way to church and, and what I kept thinking about when it came to all the kids, I was wondering where they were at. Because I couldn't figure out where I was at. Was I sad? Was I hurt? Was I angry? Was I happy? I, I couldn't figure it out. And I don't mean to sound like a jerk when I say, you know, am I happy or relieved? But there was a very long period of time where I used to say that I would go to his funeral so that I could spit on his grave. And that would be the only reason I wanted to go to the funeral. And there was so much anger and resentment. And where, where I hope you hear some of the message I'm trying to share with you is my recovery helped me change that perspective. Six years ago, when I was at Kansas City, I had spoke at a GA thing, you know, a speaker event. And in my speech, I'd come across it recently. Um, and somewhere in my talk, it says something, something that really expressed how much anger I had towards Bob. And, and somewhere in the, the concept was that he didn't even deserve me being that angry and getting even, you know, a mention in this, this speech or talk, whatever it was that I did. And then, then I went to treatment and, um, there was two fellas in my group and there was just, they had to write letters to their fathers because their situations, you know, had enough similarity to mine but different, you know, they had their own stories. But this one day, you know, one of the fellas just read his letter and the other two of us just freaking bawled. And and I think that the healing was starting for me that day. Um, unfortunately, I fell in love with the other guy who was bawling and he turned out to have enough power to hurt me the way Bob has, but... That's another whole story. Anyway, so I work my steps while I'm in treatment. And like I said, the healing really started to happen when I was there in Minnesota. And the hate and the resentment 
started to just dissipate. And during the course of the last few years, I've, I know I've used the word hate, but I've reflected back on how I really don't hate anyone. I don't even think I'm capable of hate anymore. Um, so my place, the other struggle of my feelings the last few days was I moved the needle. I moved the needle from hate and resentment towards Bob to the place that I stole from uh, Brooke Castile, I think is her name. She has a podcast. She calls this place neutral. So neutral's not having love or hate or, or you know, the feeling. So just finding a place of neutral. And don't get me wrong, Bob's crossed my mind many times and I've, I've kept a pulse on him through the other kids or through the newspaper and through the years, I always thought I would just find out about him being dead way after. So that was another feeling to figure out because I used to search the internet to find out if he was dead or alive, if, if us kids hadn't heard anything or I, I hadn't heard anything. Um, I don't know if it was out of curiosity. I don't know. I just wasn't prepared to know in the moment. I, I just wasn't. So I think... I, I can't even remember the rest of Sunday. I know that I know that all my friends, you know, people were reaching out. Um, the one thing I did on Saturday night when I got home was we have a we have a community group or message place that we share. Everything as far as, you know, um, we might start our mornings out with readings from our books or just good mornings to each other, but it's part of um, our community at the center. And I made sure I told them what was going on and, you know, we try to support each other and there was a lot of, you know, the, the condolences and again, that made me feel even more of that confusion surrounding my entitlement to be sad or to have people um, express empathy for me like I didn't know I was entitled to it and I ended up sending another message to them to kind of clarify and, and I said you know it's not like I just lost my father I felt like I lost him years ago but what I feel like I did lose was the opportunity to go from neutral to maybe love or forgiveness. I won't have that chance to ever. I may be able to get there, but I'll never know. So I'm grieving that opportunity. Uh, as much as anything else, I, I, I don't know if it's even rational, um, you know, as in my mind, when people pass away, you know, and I think this is part of our maybe American culture, maybe just the culture I've been exposed to, you know, you, you see in the movies, you go to the cemetery and you talk to the dead person, or you might go to church and you talk to them. So I guess, I guess I can frame it as I'll always have that opportunity, but it's it's just not the same. 
So Sunday night, um, gosh, one of my, my best friends, she, uh, texted me, you know, she's like, Hey, and I hadn't told her she's friends with my mom on Facebook and, and my mom again, being so classy, she had shared, she had shared the, the nice write up that the cousin, um, had posted on his Facebook page and Tara had seen it and she asked me if I was alive, I think. And I knew it was Sunday night and she always has plans with, you know, her family on Sunday night with her wife's family. So I thought it was a little odd and that she might knew no. And I just wasn't ready to talk to her or to anybody still in any great detail. And, um, she said, I wanted to make sure you're okay. Was that your biological father? And, uh, I told her yes. And, you know, she, she, you know, probably said something nice. I don't have the text in front of me, but I knew she was there for me. And I told her I wasn't really in a talking mood. So the other thing I had done on Sunday was, now I have to tell you people, the things that I was doing, the going to church, the not drinking away the pain, the, this, <laughs> talking to you, all these things are not easy things. And I'm very passionate about what I believe in in recovery. And one of the things I believe in is working through things, not going around them and not numbing them. So here I sit. And I knew I wasn't ready to deal with this by myself. So a Sunday I called the head of the center and asked him if I could see my counselor. And I had emailed her, but I knew she wouldn't check. Or I didn't expect her to check because it was the weekend. And he called me back. And, you know, within an hour of reaching them, I had an appointment with my counselor for Monday morning. First thing, well, her first thing, 1130. So I get up Monday and... Um, I forced myself to, I think ever since, um, my surgery last year and my random like work schedule and then the travel, I haven't been back in my routine. I had this happy routine and I just felt good on the inside out when I was doing the right things every day. So when I got up Monday, I forced myself to read my meditations and post it in our center's group and um, reach out to uh, the counselors and and just do what I believe in. Go through the process and try to find my my happy Bobby back. Like she's just been off. She's been off kilter, off schedule, which again, is one of my beliefs. And it's something we hear about at the center all the time about structure and consistency in a schedule. Anyway, um, so I, it's snowing and icy Monday morning. So I do my, my positive things and I do my meditation and I get to, so that's where I'm going to press pause on the story until next week's episode. We'll, uh, I'll finish taking you through Monday and, and through Tuesday of that week and kind of share some of the coping strategies that I went through. So before I say farewell for now, I want to read 
this week's quote, which I thought tied in kind of well with what I was trying to do and what I'm trying to share. So this comes to us from Maxwell Dio. Wow. Can't pronounce these names. Anyway, here goes. Even now, as broken as you may feel, you are still so strong. There's something to be said for how you hold yourself together and keep moving, even though you feel like shattering. Don't stop. This is your healing. It doesn't have to be pretty or graceful. You just have to keep going. So that is that. Uh, We will see you next week with the end of my coping process, at least for the short term on this topic. I'm sure it'll revisit us as we continue. We still have to sort through funeral and all kinds of stuff like that. But anyway, thanks for listening and thanks for helping me get through one of my challenges. <laughs>